You're listening to the Writers Off The Page podcast. Here's your host, writer, reader, journalist, and lover of soy latte, Sinead Maripodi. Hello everyone and thanks for joining me for Writers Off The Page, where we chat books, writing and publishing with those in the know. Aisha Noon is a Sri Lankan-Australian writer with a unique cultural perspective which she brings to her writing. Born in Colombo, she travelled widely and worked as a journalist in Sri Lanka before immigrating to Australia in 2013. Her debut novel is called Untethered. Aisha Noon, welcome to Writers Off The Page. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Now, I need to start by congratulating you because Untethered is just an absolutely gorgeous read. You must be so proud of it. I am, actually. Um, I just got my first copies this week and they look beautiful and, yeah, I'm pretty excited. Is it a bit of a pinch yourself moment? It absolutely is. I've been dreaming of being a published author since I since I was about five years old, really, when I started reading. So, yeah, absolutely dream come true moment. What got you into writing to begin with? Um, I've been writing since I was a child. I think I write for like similar reasons as to why I read to kind of make sense of my experiences and the world around me. So I've been like my parents say I wrote my first story when I was about five or six. Yeah. Wow. So let's talk about Untethered. Before we get into how the story came to be, I'll get you to tell people a little bit first about it. So what is the storyline? That's always the toughest question. <laughs> What's your book it? about? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, Untethered focuses on Zia, who's a young Muslim woman um, who's grown up in a very traditional family in Colombo in Sri Lanka. Uh, Zia has these dreams of um, traveling and going to university, uh, but because she knows that her way of life won't allow for it, she does what's expected of her. Um, and agrees to an arranged marriage to Rashid. Um, Zia and Rashid have a very um, comfortable and uh, sheltered life in Colombo. They're very um, wealthy. They live in a nice apartment. They're surrounded by friends and family. Um, Even so, when there's political unrest in Sri Lanka, like many others, uh, they decide to immigrate and look for a better life um, for themselves and their young daughter, Farah. Um, and they arrive in Australia and things don't turn out quite as they expect. Um, they go through a host of challenges, um, homesickness, isolation, poverty. Um, Rashid struggles to find a job to um, match his skills. Um, despite all this, Zia finds that there's a certain uh, freedom in being uh, uh, free of the cultural and uh, religious restrictions she's always known. And so in the bits of these challenges, she um, she looks to to see who she might become in this new world. So, yeah, it is a story about that complex experience of immigration, but it's also a story about this young woman um, who faces these many challenges and uh, finds a stronger and more free version of herself. Where did that initial idea for the story come from? Um, so I've had Zia in my mind for a long time, like even um, back when I was living in Colombo, um, and I used to see her um, the, the, in that scene, the way she appears in that scene before her wedding, where she's sitting on the floor and she's looking at the henna patterns on her hands. Um, and she's kind of full of hopes, but also fears about the future. Um, and I knew that I, there was a story I was going to write about her. Um, and what I, I guess I didn't know was that um, I'd have to go through some of those um, 
emotional experiences of leaving home and friends and family um and trying to build a life in a new country before i would actually write this book um so i think like arriving in australia was was quite a complex experience um we had left friends and family and established careers and um community all these things you take for granted right when you live in a place that you were always called home um and when that home starts to feel unsafe is when you think of leaving um but i guess you don't factor in that the place that you're going is um it's going to take a while to feel like home and there may be elements there that make you feel unsafe as well um and then i had my own experience i guess of of being free of certain um cultural boundaries and societal expectations um that i had grown up with and um being free to make different choices and while that was incredibly liberating it was also quite frightening and quite of, out of my comfort zone um and so i did have this feeling of being untethered uh so i guess it's like like i said i've always written to um try and make sense of my experience and i think this novel is is no different so there's a lot of yourself in the story i'm getting the vibe and also in the author's note in the front you know you, it was i love that you included that saying that you know as much as it was zia's story it was your story as well did you find it difficult at times to separate the fiction from from you i think initially yes i think the first draft was probably closer to my own life um but as as i kept rewriting it i i did get some distance from zia like the the events in the book don't mirror um any of the events in my life and um zia herself like a- as i kept writing she became different as well um and i think sometimes i had to do that a bit deliberately um because i didn't want it to be me she's not me um so yeah I, but i think there are like a lot of my uh, my emotions in the book as i suppose for every writer definitely and i think to be honest for any writer that's really what makes a story come to life when there is that that little piece of your heart in there i guess that makes it feel real you can feel the emotions of the character so readers can feel them too yeah exactly I liked that you told the story from two perspectives. So it is Zia's story, but we also hear we get into her husband's head, Rashid's head, and it was yeah. nice to have that male perspective too, particularly in the lead up to their wedding at the start and the arranged marriage and hearing the other side of it. Why was that important to you to tell both sides? Um again the first draft didn't really have uh, much of her husband Rashid's perspective. um but as i was writing um i thought he's got an important story as well and i think i'd like to get into his head and i actually really enjoyed writing rashid's chapters i could kind of uh, be a different version of myself almost um and like explore this i i think he's a really interesting character and oh he is um, yeah and so yeah i i did enjoy writing rashid and i thought his or his perspective um balanced out what was happening for Zia also um and because there was this disconnect between the two of them in the book and the way they were communicating with each other so i wanted to give the reader a bit of what's happening in his head at the same time 
and for the reader to have a bit of empathy, hopefully, for what he was going through as well. I want to talk about the wedding for a moment because I was absolutely fascinated by this concept of, is it right, so the bride doesn't really play much part in the actual formalities of the wedding? No, it's um, a strange thing about um, um, a Muslim wedding ceremony um, that it's sort of this exchange between um, men. Um, yeah, like things have changed, I think, in modern times. And, and often women will say, I want to be a part of this and I want to be there and like I want to sign somewhere. And so I I, I think things have changed. Uh, but yeah, you don't necessarily, the woman necessarily doesn't have to be there. That's just, it's incredible. I love hearing about different cultures and different formalities like this that we get so used to, I guess, what we know. And yes. It was beautiful to get in there and particularly to be inside Zia and also Rashid's minds to yeah. guess to see how it plays out on both like the formality side of things but also emotionally for them. Yes, yeah, it is um something that they 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 knew what the formalities were and what would happen but I guess their experience on the night um they like Zia didn't expect to feel the way that she felt I think. Let's talk about getting the manuscript written. So you said Zia was in your head for quite a while before you even came to Australia. At what point did you decide to start the story? What was, I guess, the push? Um, So I suppose I I started around 2018 um, and I was going quite slowly with it and just writing a few words here and there. And in 2019, I had about 10,000 words written. Um, and yeah, like like I said, it was kind of trying to work out my emotional experience of of immigrating and everything else. Um, and one of my friends sent me um, uh, this this link to a fellowship, the Write It Fellowship by um, Penguin Random House. Um, and she said, I, I think you should submit um, the manuscript you've got. And I thought. Yeah, why not? You know, what are the chances? Um, And I had these 10,000 words and I submitted it and didn't think about it too much again. And then I heard from them that I had been shortlisted and I had three weeks to submit the full manuscript. So I called my friend and only that much, like it was maybe 12,000 words max. And I called my friend and I said, look, I've been shortlisted. I don't have a full manuscript. Like, I don't, like, I feel really sad. Like, I don't think I can do this and she said you can write a book in like three weeks like come on don't let this go (laughs) and so I googled what's the shortest length a novel can be and I I think I came up with if it's over 40,000 words it can be considered a novel Um, and so it was a mad three weeks I suppose I did my own version of NaNoWriMo Um, (laughs) I took a little bit of time off work Um, my daughter's dad like took care of her most of that time and yeah I smashed out a close to like a little over 40,000 manuscript. Oh my goodness did you already <laughs> have an idea of the direction the story was going and what was happening or was it? A little bit but not too much oh I feel God. feel like I just sat down <laughs> to write it and the story just flowed through me and I would like get to the end of a session and be like oh wow I didn't know that was going to happen. Oh my um, gosh. And then lo and behold, yeah. you were selected for the fellowship. I was, yes. And so <laughs> that was an amazing moment. 
So what? how did it work? What was actually involved with the fellowship? So I got to work with um, one of the Penguin editors, which was a really wonderful experience. Um, I worked with her for over a year um, and the manuscript grew to like close to 80,000 words that it is now. Um, and I learned a lot. Um, she was really great in like, you know, she would ask me questions that would end up with in several new chapters being written. Um, and a, a few of the um, chapters from the original draft obviously didn't make it to the final draft. So what I had in the end was different, but I think I got that, um, the framework in those three weeks. Um, and then I got to expand it over the next year. So there was obviously no guarantee of a contract at the end and you didn't end up going with Penguin. So I at what stage were you at by the time you finished the fellowship? Um, do you mean the length of the manuscript? The manuscript just in terms of um, was it fully edited and submission ready or was it just at a stage where you were happy happier with it? It was submission ready by the end of the fellowship. Um, it didn't go through a rigorous editing process like... Um, the, my editor was more of a mentor um, and she was quite passionate about the book as well. But as you know, it didn't get picked up by Penguin. And so then I started my own submission process and the rejections um, for like the next one and a half years, maybe. Oh, wow. And then what happened? Yeah, yeah so I was submitting everywhere. And then um, I saw this unpublished manuscript competition by um the Australian Society of Authors and Harlequin. Um, and I I was almost at the end of my submission list at that time. And I remember thinking, I don't know if I really want to do this again, but, you know, why not? Um, and when I got the call from ASA to say I had been shortlisted, I couldn't quite remember what, <laughs> what it was and what I'd been <laughs> shortlisted for. Um, so, yeah, I was like, okay, that's great. And then I went and looked up, okay, what is this that I had um, submitted? <laughs> what was the wait time after submitting before hearing? Um, I can't quite remember. I think it could, be, could have been four or five months. Okay. Yeah. So understandable that you forgot. <laughs> yeah, and because when you're submitting everywhere, I did kind of have this spreadsheet with so I could track where I was submitting like off the top of your head you can't remember sometimes whether you've submitted to something or not but I was trying all options at that point and you won and I won oh my god that was another dream come true moment when um, my publisher called and said we love your manuscript and you've won gosh and that was so from the prize you got an advance and you also got a publishing deal I did yeah yeah wow and so do you think it helped having that initial fellowship with Penguin Random House to kind of build the manuscript into something that was at a publishing standard? Oh, definitely. Um, I I don't think it would be what it uh, is now without that um, guidance that I had uh, from my editor. Um, yeah, it, it it was really helpful. Uh, she, for, for instance, my... in first manuscript it had only two chapters set in Sri Lanka uh, but now as you know there's it's almost a third of the book set in Sri Lanka that's um, such a big part of the book yeah that's I can't right. imagine it being any shorter yeah um, so yeah I think that was really like I le- learned a lot from that about um, writing and 
um, the structure of a novel and um, the, the character arcs and things like that. And was there still quite a rigorous editing process once you were signed with Harlequin? Not so much, no. I think, um, yes, it did go through a structural edit and a copy edit and um, my editors were wonderful and um, very considerate in, in any changes they suggested. Um, but it, it didn't go through massive changes and I think it's because I'd put in uh, done the heavy lifting um, during the fellowship. What's been the most challenging part of it all for you? Um, about the writing itself, I think probably that that feeling of putting myself out there, um, because as you know, when you write a book, it's it's so much a it it feels like there's a part of you um, that you're sending out to the world. Um, so I think there's there's a sense of vulnerability around it all. And How did you get past it? Um, I think I had to, I had to kind of separate myself a little from the book, and and I, I felt like okay, now this is its its own thing. It's got almost a life of its own, um, and I think that sense of vulnerability is still there a little bit. But I and I also tell myself it's okay to be vulnerable. Um, it's also a way of being brave, and these are things that you want to share with the world, um, and. You know, hopefully people uh, like it, but if they don't, you know, that's a subjective thing. That is the hard part about books, isn't it, is that it is so subjective and I guess that feeling of I'm, I'm yeah. going through it myself, having to think that, you know, yes, there are books that I like and don't like and yes. other people have loved them and that's just that's what books are all about. But having to accept that when it's your own work that's so personal is hard. <laughs> it is. It's hard not to take a rejection personally. Um, but you do learn to. So what's next for you? Um, I, I think this year will be about this this book being released and um, just enjoying that ride. Um, I am working on another book, but I'm still at the stage where I'm telling myself the story. Yeah. Um, and as I said, I've, I've always written, I'll write whether or not I'm published. Um, so we'll, we'll see where this takes me. When do you like to write? How do you fit it around life? Um, I at the moment I often so I, I write when my daughter's with her dad. I I think being a single parent with a, a really good co-parenting arrangement has given me um, the gift of time. Um, so I I tend to write in like in like extended stages like that. Like I have a whole weekend where I'll put off chores and everything and just write. So I'll write, um, yeah. Would you take that risk again of submitting to a competition or a fellowship without having finished the manuscript first? <laughs> <laughs> well, it turned out so well for me It did turn out time. very well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it, it's a journey that in hindsight I'm really um, happy that that I made it, you know. So, yeah, I think I would. I, I think- would know that I may able to to finish a manuscript under great pressure like that. Maybe that's what you need, that real <laughs> pressure to get things done. Yeah, maybe. What's your biggest advice for aspiring writers? I think um, write because you want to write. Uh, write the story that you want to tell and be true to yourself and, and your writing. I think um, 
getting it noticed or getting published will come. Uh, but I, I think it, it's important um, to, to enjoy that process of writing and creating. Um, and I think also they say that you can't teach someone to write, but it is worth um, reading about writing. Um, and it is worth doing courses when you can and learning about plot and structure and character development. Um, yeah, so I think there are ways to master your craft. Aisha and Noon, thank you so, so much for sharing your story. The book is called Untethered and I hope people read it because it is absolutely gorgeous. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to the Writers of the Page podcast. Make sure you check out the back catalogue and while you're there, I'd love it if you left a rating or review. It helps other people discover the podcast. If there's an author you want me to chat to or you just want to say hi, hit me up on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter at Shanae Maripodi. That's C-H-E-N-E-E. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.